Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious.
his eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Broadcasting from the beautiful desert in the state of Arizona, I'm your host Ryan Gable and you are tuned into The Secret Teachings Radio, streaming worldwide on the Fringe FM. You can download the Fringe FM app for free to your mobile device to take the network with you and The Secret Teachings or just check out fringe.fm for all of your favorite shows. If you'd like to contact us here on The Secret Teachings, you can email us at rd. G-A-B-L-E at Yahoo.com. That's rdgable at Yahoo.com. And check us out on social media at Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. If you want to download and stream all of our broadcasts after they air, if you missed an episode or if you just heard something that you really want to re-listen to, you can subscribe to the full show archive, all the shows on the website. You'll also get access to the montages the large montage archive, and all of my digital books, including Occult Arcana and the Technological Elixir. You get a free copy of one of those books when you subscribe for one year. And when you subscribe to the archive and buy a book, it is the only thing that keeps us on air economically and financially. It allows us to do what we do five nights a week here on The Fringe just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and sign up today. You can also check us out on Patreon for behind-the-scenes videos, and our affiliate sponsor on the website is Pro One Water Filters. There is a link to their holiday sale, and we get a very small percentage of that, but a water filter is a very good thing to have also something that would be a great gift for the holidays, although we're approaching the apex of the holidays now. We're approaching Christmas. Today, of course, is the winter solstice. Some might know it as St. Thomas Day. Of course, we have a variety of different traditions, and depending on what your culture, your religious belief is, I mean, your cultural identification seems to matter now more than anything else. Culture seems to be the most important thing, because culture is the thing that holds society together. If we don't have a culture, if we don't have an identity in that way, then we are these blank canvases for anybody to paint, anybody to draw, anybody to create their own soul. And that's what culture is. It's the soul of a community. And, uh, you know, just in time for Christmas... A lot of government officials have taken drastic action as if this were some type of movie, science fiction movie, something like that. They've taken drastic action to curb the spread of this so-called disease by specifically terrifying the public and hoping to coerce compliance in a willing shutdown of society in places like New York and California. Are people going along with it? Sort of, sort of not. It's not really the point. The point is that these actions for two straight years now have accomplished what a lot of religious-minded people have been worried about for decades, and that is the canceling of Christmas. 
some may call it a war on Christmas, but this you know, anti-religious sentiment in our culture just denies that claim. There's no such thing as a war on Christmas. There's no conspiring to cancel Christmas or to replace Christ with an X. So we say Xmas or replacing even that with happy holidays. Personally, I have no problem with any of those phrases. I have no problem with Xmas, Christmas, holidays. Uh, you can call them happy holy days for all I care. I mean, you have a right to believe what you want to believe and express yourself in the way that you want to express yourself. And whether a business puts out a sign that says happy holidays or Merry Christmas, it, it, would, it feels to me nine times out of ten, they're doing that for publicity. They know their audience and they're trying to target either a, a large mob of people who want to be politically correct or they're trying to target a very specific sect of the market that wishes that people would say Merry Christmas. And I, I don't necessarily care, but I do tend to find myself feeling much more comfortable with the people that say Merry Christmas. I don't really know why that is. It just feels like there's more of a value system there. Back to that culture thing again, actually, it just feels like there's culture there. And that's what I'm really concerned about. You know, when Christmas now becomes about Krampus walks, you know, I understand that. I understand people want to go out and they want to dress up like Krampus and they want to have a good time. I mean, I, I've read about the, the, the Perkton walks, you know, where people go out at nighttime and they're, they're dressed to, to represent these demonic, uh, devilish figures with goat masks and fur coats. And they go wandering the streets just like they would on Halloween, going door to door or we don't really have that tradition, but in some places people have their their Krampus parties. And again, I have no problem with that. I, I like the the story of Krampus. I like the, the the mythos and the legend, but there are so many other characters that uh, we just don't we don't talk about because Krampus has become immensely popular. Uh, there's movies made about Krampus, it's in TV shows, it's in a lot of late night radio. But see, for me, no matter what the pagan origins of Christmas are, the, the, the Christianized version uh, or the commercialized version, uh, regardless of what it is that we, we analyze, and regardless of what our beliefs personally are, you only know what your beliefs are. I don't know what your beliefs are, but whatever those beliefs are, if we celebrate the holiday, if we decorate, if we feast, you know, if we enjoy the lights, we're still celebrating something. And uh, regardless if it's pagan, Christian, commercialized, or you have a Krampus walk, you're still participating in a cultural event. And those Krampus walkers that you, that you might have seen, you know, I don't, I don't know how many towns had a Krampus walk. There was a big story up in Seattle about this. I don't care. And I don't particularly think that Christians should care either, but I do understand their concern, and that is essentially what we're going to be addressing in great detail tonight. I guess tonight's show is a mixture of archetypical philosophy, perhaps a different take on a Christmas show this evening. Those Krampus walkers have a right to go and practice their beliefs, even if their beliefs are atheistic. Just because some people want to dress up like a mythological character, a legendary beast, doesn't mean that they have an intention to wage war on the nativity. And likewise, just because someone is a Christian does not mean that they are entirely intolerant of such things. 
I mean, I think I think I should probably restate that. Just because someone wants to dress up in a Krampus mask doesn't mean that they're evil. Doesn't mean that they're conspiring. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it doesn't mean any of those things. It just means they're they're interested in the tradition uh, that they've they've created a new tradition where Santa is not the focal point, right? Uh, 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 as a as a cartoonish like character uh, in contemporary times. And just because someone's a Christian doesn't mean they're intolerant of those kinds of things. However, there really are people who dress up in evil costumes, just like for Halloween, in order to spook people, in order to to obtain a reaction, to cultivate a certain kind of response. And I feel that there are very, very few, but they nonetheless do exist. There are people who honestly are engaged in a personal assault on religious and cultural values because they either do not understand them or they find no value therein. And when I say they are atheistic, I don't necessarily mean that they're atheists. I mean, they are atheistics, uh, atheistic. They don't believe in anything. But see, the whole idea of Krampus and demonic-looking characters is that their ugliness is something that we wish to avoid, or at least we should wish to avoid. We, we, we actively engage uh, our, our senses in avoiding. We don't want to look like that. It, it's, some, it's not something we want to become. And, and therefore, we find motivation in it to act kinder, to be more responsible, and to hold some type of social moral value. That's what holds you know, the whole thing together. That's what holds society together. And the whole idea of Santa Claus, you know, of course, has been oversimplified. Yes, Santa Claus is oversimplified. Santa Claus checks off his naughty or nice list and then leaves coal. When traditionally coal was left by the, the, the Krampus archetype. Krampus is one of those characters who has become so widely known, but there are you know, there are other characters that are very similar, like the Italian Christmas witch, Bifana, who leaves naughty children ash or garlic. I mean, personally, I would like to be left some garlic because garlic's like $10 a pound. I wish Bifana would visit me this, this Christmas. I'd like some free garlic. But the point is, there aren't many people running around in, you know, dressed up like Bifana in some kind of witch-like outfit pretending to be a Christmas witch. I mean, that sounds made up anyway, but it's not. I mean, that's, that's, a tra- that's a traditional folklore, that's a legend, uh, just like Krampus is, just like Santa Claus is. Uh, which or not, uh, Bifana does reward good children, though, in the same way that Santa rewards the good and punishes the, the, the naughty. Santa's an oversimplified version of two separate energies or two separate aspects. And I find it irresponsibly, uh, irresponsible as a, as, a, as a tradition to simply focus on one instead of the other. However, I understand that for most people, for the vast majority, it's just a fun cultural game. I'm trying to see both sides of this here because when people tell me that there's no war on Christmas, I don't agree with that. But I'm also not a Christian. I'm also not really religious. But I understand what the Christians and others are saying. There certainly is a war on Christmas, but I don't necessarily agree with the statement that there's a war on Christmas. Uh, when people tell me that there is a war on Christmas, I don't necessarily agree. I don't necessarily disagree. It's, it's way more complex than that. It, it, it's always more complex than that. When someone says Christmas is just about presents, maybe to some people it is. 
when someone says Christmas is just about presents and commercialization and Christians shouldn't even celebrate it anyway because it has nothing to do with the origins of the traditions, etc., 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 I say, well, that's true, but I don't think that we should use that as an excuse to tear down contemporary traditions. See, that's really my problem when you, whether you, you could use Krampus or you could just use, you know, the basic idea that, that has become more and more popular that Christmas is a pagan holiday. Sure it is, but in contemporary times, Christmas has become a much more Christianized holiday. Is it watered down? Sure, it's watered down. Do a lot of the traditional symbols have completely different meanings? Sure, they do. Do they still have their original meanings? Absolutely, they do. Are some people using those symbols for their original meanings? Sure, they are. See, here's the thing. You know, I, a lot of you know that I just moved across the country. I moved from New York. I escaped from New York, and I made it out here to the desert of Arizona. And I got this place in uh, Tucson, and we moved in. It's a really, really nice place, but there were some problems with the property. There were problems with the refrigerator and problems with some cleaning. Some of it was vanity. Some of it was, you know, important things that were kind of emergency, you know, uh, level things that needed to be fixed. But I, I, I felt, you know, as kind of angry as I was about that because I signed a contract. I made a deal. I want the property to be the way that you know we agreed upon. At the same time, I'm also grateful that I have a place to 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 come in from the hot sun. I have a place to to be at when it gets cold at night. I've got a fireplace now. I, I've I've got uh, you know a, a, a little little home, probably for the first time in my adult life. You know, outside of living in small little apartments, uh, I've got a whole room now for the studio. So I guess you could say I'm blessed in that way. But would I, or should I, is it, is it really appropriate to be so angry at those little things that I say, screw it, let's just burn the whole thing down? And that's kind of the attitude that I, personally, I can feel that culturally. I feel this attitude, I feel this energy of, well, Christmas is a pagan holiday, so I don't want to celebrate it fine, don't celebrate it. And I get this other energy that's very similar to that. And it's like, Christmas isn't really based on what Christians say it's based on. So they're wrong. And let's just throw the whole thing out. I mean, what's the old saying? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, this is taking that exponentially and expanding it. We're throwing out literally thousands of years of astronomy and astrology we're throwing out hundreds, thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years of myth and parable and analogy and metaphor and philosophy and symbolism and, and religion and history alongside of astrology and astronomy. What, because Christians use the, the, the green tree for a different reason, or at least they have a different understanding of of what that tree represents, not even all of them. Some of them understand it's about honoring nature than so-called pagans do. And, and then Christians look at the pagans sometimes and say, well, you're pagans, you're heathens, so your viewpoints, your tradition, uh, your, your, your ceremony, your ritual doesn't matter. I mean, this is a problem of the human condition, and some people recognize that, and they understand that the, the fighting among cultures 
and they have hijacked that. There's no doubt about that, in my mind at least. It's been hijacked. All the conflict, all the bickering, all the very true statements like Christmas is essentially a pagan holiday and Krampus is essentially a counterpart of Santa Claus, although Santa's, you know, just a a combination of many different archetypes and characters, and his name, even Santa Claus, is the contractual obligation, a clause and a contract, a contractual obligation that you enter into as per the naughty or nice list. If you're naughty, well, you get coal, unless Bifana visits you, and then you get the the uh, clove of, of garlic, which works well because that wards off the vampires as well. Or you get visited, uh, you know, by some other deity or character. Maybe your parents just bring you presents because you were good, right? So Santa is this idea of entering into a contract with what Santa represents. And maybe maybe Santa represents Satan. So you could say it's a satanic contractual clause obligation to do this or that, and then you are rewarded or you are punished for it. But the idea is to basically build a better community, to build a better world, to build a better society, to be kinder, to be more generous, to be helpful, so you don't look like Krampus in the end. Putting on a Krampus mask and utilizing some inconsistencies and misunderstandings with religious or cultural tradition in order to tear the whole system down while you stand on the ashes and, 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 and take a piss uh, doesn't help anybody. And ultimately, that just presents, you know, it, it basically presents this, this ugly side, which I think effectively proves that whatever that energy is that, that, that you find in Krampus or Befana or any of these other characters, it shows that that energy has become dominant. And, and people have become possessed by it. And that energy, whether it is a natural thing possessing others or some people have conjured it or worked with it, it's simply being used to exploit those inconsistencies and those misunderstandings and those little bickerings to reshape and reset society. Which, what does reset mean anyway? Like Santa Claus, Santa is the satanic clause or just the simple... Satan contract, the deal with the devil, the Faustine agreement. It is the Santa as this jolly figure clause, a, a simple child's game, contractual obligation, naughty or nice. And you know, when you have when you have a reset, well, you have re meaning king, and set is the god of storms and the god of destruction and chaos and essentially associated with Saturn in the Egyptian stories. He seals Osiris, his brother, the coffin with lead, which is the metal of Satan or Saturn in the Roman mythos or Kronos in the Greek mythos. And of course, Kronos is what? It's the Omicron. The Ami is the little O. It's the beginning or the initiatory stages of, of the cron, which is the end, which is the omega, the initiatory stages of the end times, right? And so that's the omicron. Santa Claus is the contractual obligation, just looking at the origins of words and kind of what things mean and imply, not even necessarily in uh, twilight language. 
But uh, when you when you look at things from from this perspective, you start to realize that there's a whole world underneath of what we practice, you know, traditionally, culturally. And some people understand that and want to use that against us. They, they want to use the Santa Claus against us. They want to use these, these words and these terms to control the subconscious, to control the unconscious, and to reset, to king set, king chaos, king Saturn, reset the whole system, which I think is a little bit of the reason why Saturnalia, which began on the 17th and ends technically on the 23rd, why that celebration, a Roman festival, has become so popular and so dominant because there is something that has opened the door for Saturn to step in and have his day. There are those who worship that, that entity, that energy, that spirit. Now that's just my opening statement tonight. Coming back on radio for the, the first full week since I've been gone, there's a lot that I need to catch up on, and there's a lot that we need to go through. And I'm trying to make it as Christmas-themed as possible. I hope that you're going to uh, enjoy what I've got for you tonight on The Secret Teachings. It is the dialectical materialism. You'll get no gifts and be happy. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. You're listening on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to call in tonight, take note of the number. It is 520-367-2064. I'll give it out again later. And if you'd like to email us, rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay with us. There's a lot more after this. The music tonight, White Bat Audio. Don't go anywhere. I'll be in the Discord chat. Come over and join us. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is The Secret Teachings Radio on The Fringe FM. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hear more while supporting the show, visit the website, thesecretteachings.info, and subscribe to our show archive. As a yearly subscriber, you can download and stream every show after it airs and get access to the digital versions of each one of Ryan's books. The show offers weekly and monthly subscriptions, or for $50 a year, get access to the archive, montages, and digital books at a discounted price. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the donate button at the top of the page. Your subscription supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and you. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings Radio. After years and years of research, I compiled most of the important components of what I learned into three books, Food Philosophy, The Technological Elixir, and Occult Arcana. And by happenstance, those books turned into a trilogy that can be, but doesn't need to be, read in order. Food Philosophy explores the nature of what it means to be healthy, while examining the ways in which the public is deceived about their food and water. It also explores disease theories and why astronomical events like comets may be more responsible for illnesses than pathogens. It concludes with a look at geoengineering. The technological elixir picks up where the food book leaves off. It explores technology with its benefits and dangers, looking at smart tech, the Internet of Things, advanced 
advanced robotics and quantum computers. The text takes us to the Mark of the Beast, magic, and the music industry, focusing heavily on material death cults and pacts with the devil, and of course, black goo. It concludes with an analysis of UFO cults and an otherworldly or dimensional presence influencing mankind through technology. Occult Arcana is truly standalone as an encyclopedia of occult knowledge, covering theology, science, and mythology, symbolism, ritualism, and magic, voodoo, witchcraft, talismans, nursery rhymes, alchemy, and more. Occult Arcana ties it all together. All three books are available in digital form, and they are autographed, if you'd like, in paperback. Just visit thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews and buy yourself a copy or two today. Whether for yourself, family, or friends, they make a wonderful gift for the holidays, something that we explore in detail in the Occult Arcana book. Again, I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings Radio. Food Philosophy, The Technological Elixir, and Occult Arcana are my books. I hope you get a copy and support the show today. Do you want to know more about this strange and weird reality we live in? Join me, Jess Rogie, the host of The Rogie Report, where we explore the unrevealed. Every Wednesday night, live at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, here on The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. I think most of us know by now whether you've watched Zeitgeist or you've listened to Jordan Maxwell or maybe you've listened to The Secret Teachings that the sun, the S-U-N, is born or reborn or resurrected on the 25th of December. At that point, depending on where you look in the world and historically, the sun rises in or near the constellation Virgo the Virgin. So the sun is born of a virgin on December 25th, roughly that time period, Yule, the winter solstice, etc. Of course, this is an anthropomorphized version of the sun when we look at the character of a Jesus, but that doesn't mean that a radical political figure, a maverick, didn't exist who took on the world the Empire of the Beast at that time, which was the Roman Empire. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which in a loose translation translates to the bread house or the house of bread. Of course, the house of bread is the house built by the carpenters in the Zodiac wheel, the houses of the Zodiac, the animal wheel. And that house of bread is the bread made by the wheat, which is held by the virgin holding that 
wheat. So it is the house of bread. It's Bethlehem, one of the 12 divisions of the Zodiac. And the wheat itself is an interesting symbol because not only is it used to make bread, but it's a powerful symbol when you look at classical and traditional mythology because the wheat and the fields often were considered to be part of the god or the chief god resided in that wheat in those fields. And so when the fields were cut down with the scythe of Saturn or Kronos, the end times, the fall, going into the winter, that's the black horse going into the pale horse, death. And then, of course, if you follow it through, you get the white horse of spring and the red horse of the summer because it's hot. So you have this apocalyptical, cyclical process every single year with the four horses of the apocalypse. Now, when the wheat was taken, the wheat was turned into food, right? It's turned into bread, and then you eat of that bread and you obtain everlasting life through the God that is in that wheat. This is also a ritual that was carried out both symbolically and literally, depending on the culture and the time. We refer to it now as the king kill or the killing of the king, an ancient agricultural fertility ritual that, in my view, was utilized symbolically to assassinate John F. Kennedy at Daily Plaza. That's another show, though. We actually did a big show on that a few weeks ago for the anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. It's in the archive at thesecretteachings.info. That's the secretteachings.info. You can find that show in the archive. But this bread consumed at the Last Supper, right? The Last Supper where you have Jesus who is eating with the man who will betray him, right? The man who will betray him is astrologically the backbiter, the scorpion, Scorpio. As the sun makes its journey through the sky, it obtains full strength during the summer solstice, after which it begins losing strength before being declared dead upon the zodiacal cross on the winter solstice. That astrological occurrence is described in the biblical book of Mark, of Judas and his betrayal. The twelve disciples, of course, are the signs of the zodiac, and Judas, the betrayer, he kisses Jesus to alert the Roman guards to his identity, Kind of a strange thing considering how small the town was and how popular Jesus was. But nonetheless, the Zodiac's kind of a small town and the scorpion kisses the sun and ensures its demise and destruction. The backstabber, the backbiter, the kiss of death actually from that second prong on the scorpion's tail. Some scorpions have that. That's the kiss of death like the mafia gives, the kiss of death. It's all astrological. The House of Bread, the constellation Virgo, the three wise men, Orion's belt following the bright star in the sky, Venus to the birth of the sun, summer solstice, excuse me, the winter solstice, uh, taking us into the spring when during the summer solstice, the highest of the high, Jesus will be in his father's kingdom. This is what I call an astrological misunderstanding. I have a small section on it. It's about three pages in my book, Occult Arcana. And then I have an enormous chapter on the days of the week and all of our fun, joyous holidays or holy days, including Christmas and then the origins of uh, many of the Christmas traditions. And it's not just, you know, 
the astrological elements and components of it. It's folklore and legend and, and, and myth from around the world. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, this is the origin of, of the Christmas tree, or that's the origin of Santa's hat, or that's the origin of the elves, or this is the origin of why Santa's in a sleigh. And it's like, yeah, those, those are all applicable. Uh, but if you have more than one understanding because you realize that there's, you know, essentially, you know, an endless amount of cultures and variations and beliefs and ideas and observances, then you're going to get a lot of correct, you know, interpretations of what uh, these, these traditions are based on. So knowing all that, I would like to say that doesn't give me a right nor do I feel that I have a right to simply say all the Christians should shut up and go home. All the Christians are wrong. This is clearly not a Christian holiday because it is a Christian holiday. And Christians, regardless of their denomination, have, and regardless of the origins of any of this, astrologically, pagan, whatever you want to call it, earth-based, Wiccan, woohoo, whatever, voodoo even, whatever you want to call it. Christians have put energy for hundreds of years into this idea, and it is a sigil that has grown into a, a, a very important element in the Christian tradition. Are there many Christians who say, well, I get all that, but I, I just like it for family? Of course there are. I'd imagine that there are some atheists who are like, this whole thing is just nonsense. And, and rather than playing video games and watching porn all day on Christmas, they get together with their families and they have a good time with, you know, tinsel and Christmas trees and presents and, and, and a meal. You know, not everybody just acts like a reclusive, atheistic member of Antifa. However, those kinds of people seem to be really interested in promoting the Krampus angle and promoting the degeneration of Christmas tradition. And I don't think it has anything to do with Christianity. I don't think it has anything to do with Christmas tradition uh, in any way, shape, or form. I think it has to do with culture. I think it has to do with the cultural elements that are needed to hold society together. And I have a little bit of evidence to back up what I'm saying. In fact, I've got a lot of evidence to back up what I'm saying. There's a philosophical concept that was created by uh, Frederick Engels and Karl Marx. It's called dialectical materialism. It's this idea that ideas can only arise as products uh, of, of reflections on material conditions and that conflict, perpetual conflict, is the only way in which there can be any kind of social progress. In other words, for there to be progressive-ism in this regard, there must be conflict between people. And where there is not conflict, there's no progression. Now, we would think, logically, that if there's no conflict, you know, maybe people aren't communicating, so there's no conflict, but that ultimately builds up and, and explodes. But generally speaking, if there's no conflict, then there's no problem but these people feel differently. They feel if there's no conflict, well, then there's no progress. So we need to create the conflict. We need to come in 
to the school and to the home and to television, movies. And we need to start telling people that they look a little bit different because of their skin color or because of their eye color or their hair color, because of their sexual preferences. You know, you're into BDSM, you're into, you know, strict missionary style. So you have a difference of opinion. You should fight about it, right? That's essentially what dialectical materialism is. And, and materialism is the root cause of that. Now, are there a lot of Christians who think that Christmas is not about the presence and that it's about family? Yeah, absolutely. And the people that think that, whether or not that's a contemporary you know, traditional value or not, and, and, and here's a secret, it's not. It's as old as man because today we have our heating systems and we can go to uh, we can go to Wegmans, we can go to Publix, we can go to Kroger, we can go to Fry's, we can go to Albertsons, we can go anywhere and get food essentially, even in times of quote unquote natural shortages, cough cough. But we don't have to huddle up in front of a fire uh, in in a, in, a, in a cold you know uh, uh, shack. We don't have to huddle up around. Uh, you know, a, a fire and wonder when we're going to get our next meal. And, and then, you know, those, those ideas and that life, not many generations ago for a lot of people, uh, it's still within somewhat of, of recorded memory. But those, 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 living, those living conditions are what led to the development of certain traditions and cultural norms and things like this. And so to just simply say, well, all oh, that Christian idea of Christmas is just all, it's all pagan or it's all nonsense. None of that, to me, none of that makes any sense because all of it has meaning and purpose, whether it's to an individual, it's to a group. And whether that's because these are new traditions or they're old traditions, they're all a result of progress, natural progress. And when you have dialectical materialists who believe that if there's no conflict, there's no progress, then they want to create conflict. And that is why I firmly believe, and I submit to you this evening here on The Secret Teachings, tonight, this morning, whenever and wherever you're listening around the world, I submit to you that the idea of Krampus has been perpetuated, has been cultivated, has been sown, and has been reaped by that grim reaper of Saturn with his scythe in order to cultivate conflict in order to get the Christians riled up, and let's not just say Christians, let's say to get the religious-minded people riled up, to get the, the Christian right in particular riled up, so they start shouting about kind of undescribable, you know, very vague little things, and say, there's a war on Christmas. And when they say that, it can easily just be deflected. Well, that's nonsense. When in fact, there are people that truly are waging a war on Christmas. I just don't believe that it's a war on Christmas. I think it's a war on Christmas. It's a war on what Christmas represents. And what does Christmas represent? For most people, pagan, Christian, it doesn't matter. Christmas represents family. It represents tradition. It represents a happy, joyous exchanging of gifts. It represents endorphins. It represents community. It represents society. It represents humanity. It represents the spirit. It represents the soul. And by that definition, 
It represents Christ. It represents God. It does, in fact, represent those elements within Christianity that might not have anything to do with the astrological origins of Christmas or the astronomical origins of Christmas, but at the core is the soul, is the spirit. And there are people that don't like family structures, and there are people that don't like the soul and the spirit, and there are people that don't like the human. And so they'll take the human condition and weaponize it and use it against communities and use it against families. Remember when BLM was running around talking about how they wanted to destroy the family unit? And we told you here on the secret teachings, we had printouts from their website. They changed the website since then. We had printouts from the website showing that their goal was to destroy the family structure and to eradicate the male influence, which is strange because the whole group was based on a young black man who was shot in Florida. But nevertheless, their goal was to eradicate the male influence. Why would you want to do that? Well, let's go back to Rome again. Rome is very famous during this time of the year, especially because of Saturnalia, which I also think has been perpetuated and forced into the culture. But the Romans, just like any conquering military, any conquering force, what you do is when you conquer a people, you eliminate most of the men because the men physically are strong enough to rebel and to defend their homes and their families and their land and their property. So you get rid of the men first. And once you've eliminated most of the men, maybe a few of them, you, you, you turn into slaves and then you have direct access to the land, to the home, to the, the possessions, and particularly to the women. Take them to be the new wives, rape them. Maybe you have some fun. You slaughter a few of them, right? Tell the other women, you're going to do what we tell you or you're going to end up like Susie out there in the field. And then the children, of course, you don't kill the children. You raise them into the ideology, into the new doctrine, the new dogma. And that's how you essentially commit cultural genocide. There's another name for that in contemporary times. It's called cultural Marxism. And I know that people don't want to hear about it. It's a political thing. No, it's not a political thing. It's not a political thing at all. It, it, it strikes right at the heart of our holiday, holy day season. Why do you think it is that two years in a row now, an invisible enemy has been used as an excuse to shut down holiday celebrations? I mean, are are, 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 are there any people listening to this show right now who honestly can say that it is totally coincidental that both the governor of California, who I would cast in Hollywood to play the Antichrist, or Hochul, the demon woman who runs the terrorist state, as far as I'm concerned, of New York, how they just decided to come together at the same time, two totally different climates, totally different environments, totally different states, very similar politically, of course, and impose mask mandates just days before Christmas, and then both those mandates end on the 15th of January. Is that a coincidence, or is that a pattern? Does that imply some kind of collusion? I think it implies collusion. I don't think that it's unintentional. I think it's back-to-back -back years where Christmas has, for a lot of people, been effectively canceled. But that's really for the people who buy the narrative. For the average person who doesn't buy the narrative, and I think it's a lot more than we, we tend to think, they just go along and continue to do what, they do, what they're doing. The problem is it's, it's the, the, the PR component of it. It's the social view of what's happening. And, and the social view is that 
culture in the United States of America is 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 just eroding. It's 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 resting. It's deteriorating. I mean, at the root core in communities, it's not really any different. But statistically speaking, and on the surface, the psychological aspects of hearing in the media and hearing in schools that. You know, there aren't as many people who are religious, more people are becoming atheists, whether that's true or not. I don't know how you can completely quantify that anyway. That's part of the psychological attack on the general populace, not targeting a specific area to make people think like, well, it's hopeless to be spiritual. It's hopeless to have a belief in God. And what happens when you don't have a belief in God? Ultimately, you find a belief in something. You either believe that there is nothing, which is still obviously a philosophical argument that you believe in something, which boils down to you believe in chaos and destruction, and you represent, as that belief system implies, the, the elements and the components of Krampus and the devil and the demons and that kind of energy. Or you believe in the one thing that you can see, that gives you clothes, that gives you food, that gives you not enough or a lot, but it gives you a little bit and gives you a job and gives you a purpose, although that purpose is artificial. And that is the state that becomes the new God. All of these elements are elements of dialectical materialism. And so I don't find it to be coincidental in any way, shape, or form that with gas prices rising and the cost of food rising, and shelves that are bare at the grocery store in some places. I mean, let's let's look at it this way. Go back to the Thanksgiving shows that we did, the robot, uh, the robot turkey show that that I did. Uh, we as Americans have it really, really, really good, and because of supply chain shortages, we now just have it really, really good. A lot of countries barely had it really good before, and now they just kind of have it good. And some places don't have it good at all. But that's not an excuse to tear down the whole system. Just because we're used to having 15 types of bread at the store and now we might have 12. They don't have your favorite bread. You have to find another bread or go to another store. But we still have it really, really good, right? We still have a choice that we can make. So what's the big deal? But if we allow that to justify that scarcity, artificial or otherwise... We are allowing ourselves to be conditioned for scarcity, allowing ourselves to be conditioned for not having the option. And when we don't have the option, somebody is making that decision for us. So we might have it really, really, really good, maybe just really, really good. There's still an abundance out there, but we shouldn't allow that to become the norm. And we shouldn't allow supply chain issues and ships offshore and expensive gas and food price uh, I guess food prices are going up. It depends on what you're buying but and where you live, but food prices are, are going up in a lot of places. Still have it really, really good. But again, we can't allow that to be the justification to say, well, let's just let's allow this to happen all the time and just be okay with it. Just accept it. Because what's going to happen is we get to a point where now you have two breads on the shelf to choose from. And you've been incrementally conditioned to think that's not only normal, but that's, that's a good thing. So this is really, really dangerous. And I think it all kind of boils down to what Klaus Schwab said. You will own nothing and you'll be happy. And of course, this year, you'll get no gifts and you'll be happy. 
no gifts for you. But you'll be happy about it because Kathy Hochul and Governor Newsom in California, they put cloth masks over your kids' faces on Christmas so you can't see the joy of them opening a gift. And I mean that, of course, as a symbolic statement. Who's actually participating in this? I don't think it's a lot of people, but that's not the point. The point is, on the surface, it looks like that's where the culture is going. For a lot of Americans, Christmas has essentially been canceled because a few obscure people didn't do their due diligence in following vague mitigation procedures. And so Krumpus has arrived early to punish everybody, regardless of how good or naughty you were or are. I mean, more people seem to be afraid of what their relatives might transmit to them than how happy they are to see their relatives or what they might get under the Christmas tree. And instead of 12 days of Christmas, like I said last night on the show, you're getting 12 days of quarantine. And uh, the only gift that is uh, you know, very popular and widespread this year is an experimental mRNA shot that even the inventor of the technology said you shouldn't take because it'll cause reproductive problems and damage to the critical organs. And that shot is promising to deliver illness, I said last night, faster than spoiled eggnog. And we can use all these Christmas and holiday themes and, 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 and gestures to explain what's happening. And all of this is important because this is the culture. This is the zeitgeist. This is what we, if we can tap into it with this esoteric understanding, standing under it and seeing the structure, then it gives us the power as an individual without buying a self-help book, without paying for something, without exhausting yourself trying to find some spiritual enlightenment. It gives you the power as an individual to be responsible and to take action. And the first thing that you can do to take action is recognizing these problems and learning the language and how things are conducted. Uh, For example, Reuters News is reporting that uh, New York has all these cases, highest case count in months or maybe even a year. And because of that, COVID is, is shutting down parts of New York. It's like, no, COVID is not shutting down parts of New York. The government of New York is trying to force the community to shut down around Christmas. Effectively, doing what a lot of uh, Christian and right-wing people in particular have been saying for years, canceling Christmas. Some may call it a war on Christmas, but you know the anti-religious deny that, yet here we are. And I think that the true war, there is a war, a true war is being waged on culture. Have the Krumpus walks, have your Saturnalia, have your Christmas celebration, have your rare roasted who beast. But there certainly is a Grinch, and that Grinch is telling you that you'll get no gifts and you'll like it. The reality is you're going to probably get a lot of gifts this year if you exchange gifts. Probably going to get a lot of gifts. Maybe you find your family here on The Secret Teachings. We welcome you. My gift is perspective that I can give you. But if we allow certain things to become the norm, that incremental approach will leave us until we have nothing, not even a little crumb for a mouse. 
I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, buy a book, check us out on Patreon, www.thesecretteachings.info. There's a lot more after this, and we'll take your calls in the next hour, 520-367-2064. Stay with us. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on The Fringe FM. And join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's thesecretteachings.info and The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. People ask me every day what they can do to take control of their life in the face of an onslaught of misleading information and outright lies. I always tell them to take control of what they put in their body, including clean water. I personally used a Pro One water filter long before the company became Pro One. And after a few years, I decided to get an affiliate program set up for the show. Here's how it works. Visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the Pro One water filter link on the slider bar at the top of the page. Whatever you purchase on their website, we get a small percentage. It's an honest and beneficial way to support the secret teachings and yourself. They've got water filters for the kitchen, dorm room, and even shower heads so things like chlorine don't become vaporized in the hot shower and inhaled. They make a great gift for yourself, your family, or your friends, and especially a great gift around the holy days. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info, click on the banner, support Pro One, and support the secret teachings five nights a week on The Fringe FM. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> like you're all working for the same guy. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from Talk Stream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. 
Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. If you want the most unique blend of subjects anywhere on radio, from parapsychology, pop conspiracy, parapolitics, the paranormal, and symbolism, look no further than The Secret Teachings, airing Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. Our topics, themes, and perspectives are not bogged down by rhetoric or ideological collective associations. It's just raw thought and consciousness. Check us out by visiting our website at thesecretteachings.info or the network fringe.fm. This is John B. Wells of Caravan to Midnight, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the great work that you guys are doing. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio from WhatOnEarthIsHappening.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. You are tuned into The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Regardless of where you're listening around the world, we welcome you to The Secret Teachings. We are streaming on the Fringe FM, TalkStream Live, and the Paranormal Radio app. If you'd like to contact us, the email is rdgablerdgable at yahoo.com. Don't be shy. Send us an email, rdgable at yahoo.com. Social media is facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. You can find us on Patreon. Just search The Secret Teachings. We have a basic behind-the-scenes option there. You also get my digital books with that basic package on Patreon. Or we have a subscription bundle for the radio show. Or if you're just interested in the archive for all of our shows, every single episode, you can download it and stream it. You can subscribe at thesecretteachings.info. We've had so many people subscribe or donate to our fundraiser that I am humbled every time I think about it. www.thesecretteachings.info. You can grab my books on the website, or when you do subscribe to the archive, you get access to all the shows, the montages, digital copies of my books to read online or to take them with you. And you get a free copy of one of those books, softcover, when you subscribe for one year. Also check out our affiliate sponsors, Pro One Water Filters, on the website at thesecretteachings.info. There's a slider bar at the top of the page. You have to click on that Pro One Water Filters button through our website. And we have a new affiliate, I'll be getting some more information on them soon. Uh, They're called the Tuttle Twins. Some of you may know who they are. 
There's a link on our website to the Tuttle Twins as well, a new affiliate here on The Secret Teachings. So check all that out, www.thesecretteachings.info. As most of you know, I am broadcasting tonight from the American Southwest. And out here, I've never lived around Christmas, so I didn't know what people did with their cactuses, their cacti, and apparently people like to... String them up just like a traditional old Christmas tree. It's kind of fun to go around and see the different cactuses and people put lights on them or they put hats on them. You know, a cactus really has this strong personality. I mean, some of these cactuses look like they're, they're just waving at you. Some of them look like they're running. Some of them look like they're flipping you off. Some of them look like they're hugging each other. Like, you know, the, the saguaro cactus has this, this really great personality. It's a really cool plant, especially if you've never seen one before. Uh, they only grow in this part of the world. Uh, they're very popular in you know other countries because of Western movies, but out here in the Southwest, we have this really incredible plant, and people dress it up. And uh, maybe you've heard of the Christmas cactus before, but the uh, the Christmas cactus uh, it's a festive plant. It gets very festive, like all the other botanicals that represent uh, Christmas tradition: the holly, mistletoe, uh, associated with the god Balder, of course. And uh, all the other, the nuts and the seeds and the oranges and the apples that were given by uh, the original Santa Claus to children. All these different botanicals. Uh, Christmas, like any other holiday or holy day, at its core, it's a human holy day. It's a spiritual day. And the elements in nature are taking center stage, center table for the feast and for the decorations and for everything else. So you think about this for a moment. You look, look at look at something like this. I'm out here in the desert, right? And we've got, you know, cactuses and you know, just hardly any any snow out here unless you go up to Flagstaff. Uh, it gets chilly at night, but not much. But there's a lot of Christmas cheer out here. You know, people just walk down the road, Santa hats on. I honestly see more Christmas, you know, decoration uh, that's kind of unique out here than I than I saw in New York the couple of years I lived there, or uh, even in Boise, Idaho when I lived there. And I'm thinking about that because there's a lot of Christmas decoration, a lot of Christmas cheer, but at the same time it seems like something spiritual, something soulful has been taken out of the, the holiday. Maybe it's because for the last two years people have been afraid to see their relatives. I think people are a little bit less afraid this year. But in places like New York and California, they've been told to not go see your relatives, depending on if you've gotten your shots or if you have a cloth to cover your face like you're robbing a bank. And what a lot of these mandates and basically what it is is terrorism. What a lot of this terrorism does is it's effectively done what so many anti-religious people have denied for decades, and that is to a large degree, it's canceled some aspect of Christmas. You can call it a war on Christmas. It's canceled some aspect of Christmas, though. It's a war of some kind, a spiritual war, call it whatever. I just call it a war on culture. That's what I call it. I call it a war on culture. And someone brought this to my attention. I don't watch Netflix hardly ever. Um, I don't even have uh, that hooked up at this point. I just have DVDs, been watching The X-Files, Someone pointed out to me this um, 
this TV show. It's on HBO Max. It's called Santa Inc. Maybe you know about Santa Inc. And it has two of my least favorite people in uh, Hollywood. And that you really have to be a, a low life degenerate to get on that list. Some of my least favorite people in, uh, in Hollywood. Uh, Sarah Silverman, and, which I think uh, she should change her name because that you can't have man in that name. Sarah Silver Zay, I think, is what she should change her last name to. Sarah Silverman and, uh, and just, I literally get chills when I, when I hear these names, and Seth Rogen. And I guess the premise of the TV show was that Seth Rogen plays this Santa Claus character and Sarah Silverman plays this little elf. And, you know, it's the journey of this little person who's kind of, you know, maybe they're deformed or they're different and they want to be Santa Claus. Uh, but, you know, an elf can't be Santa Claus, and especially a girl elf. A girl elf couldn't be Santa Claus. I mean, she'd have to be a white male. And you might think that that's an exaggeration, but no, that's literally in the commercial for the TV show. In fact, I wasn't going to play it for you because it is so vulgar and so disgusting that I, I, I could barely tolerate just sitting down and, and editing all the curse words out. But this is like a two-and-a-half-minute maybe closer to three-minute HBO Max commercial. Uh, I'm only going to play like less than two minutes of it. This is what HBO felt was appropriate to put on television, and then I'm told there isn't a war on Christmas. Now, I don't think that there's necessarily a quote-unquote war on Christmas, but there's certainly a war on Christmas, if you get what I'm saying. There's a war on culture. And I want to know why, from Eight Crazy Nights to Santa Inc., it's acceptable for the Jewish community to mock and to make fun of and to degrade and to spit upon not only white people, but Christians as well. Why is that acceptable in our society? Why is it okay to protect Muslims? Why is it okay to protect Jews? Why is it okay to protect all these other groups and classes? But if you're white, if you're straight, if you're a Christian, that's not okay. I mean, ultimately, it is okay. We, 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 we allow that culturally to some degree, but I don't know. Listen to this and, and let me know what you think. 520-367-2064. That's 520-367-2064. 520-367-2064. One more time, 520-367-2064. Here it is, Santa Inc. Let me know what you think about this. When you're a kid, there's only one day a year more special than any other day. God, her voice. And we are the magic behind that day. So let's get these freakos kids some freakos presents. So 17 seconds in, we've got two F words already. May I present the hardest working man in snow biz. Good golly, he's jolly. Our own Santa Claus. Christmas. Whoa. You're on my naughty list. Good news, sir. More American kids believe in you than they do in vaccines or the Holocaust. All right. So there's the first one. We get two F words and then we get more kids believe in you, Santa, than vaccines or the Holocaust. There's a pattern to this commercial. You'll hear it if you pay attention. That's great. I mean, disheartening for America, but great for us. I'm here from the North Pole Times. Have you decided who will succeed you as Santa Claus? Subtext, Santa's old and knocking on death's door. Fuck you. 
uh, I mean, uh, that, good, good question. I'll give it some serious thought. <laughs> I didn't edit that one out, but you get the idea. That's th- three F's were amended in. We got three F's and we've got, uh, we've got, you don't, people don't believe in vaccine or don't believe in vaccines, don't believe in uh, the Holocaust, but they believe in Santa Claus. It, it, it keeps going. It gets worse. I- been many Santa Clauses throughout history. Some were loved, others loathed. But the position of Santa has mostly been a white man's game. Oh, so now it's just, it's a white man's game. It's a white man's game. Well, I guess traditionally uh, in Germanic countries, European countries, yeah, Santa Claus is, or at least his image is white because those are the peoples that created the idea of what we now call Santa Claus. So, of course, he's going to kind of look like the people that created him. However, there are traditions of similar characters in different cultures who look like the people from those cultures. I just don't get this whole anti-white thing, but, you know, I guess I'm not Jewish, so I don't understand it. Exactly. It's crazy. Things have got to change. We got four F words. Is that four or five? I've lost count. We're at not even a minute. 20 seconds into this thing. Advice to you is, oh, if I die, get rid of my porn! Well, we know Seth Rogen and uh, Sarah Silverman like porn. That's a very popular thing in Israel. I want to be the next Santa. If this is your dream, you have to at least make your case. So now they're saying, well, if this is your dream, you got to make your case. You're an elf and you're a girl. You could be the next Santa Claus. You you can do it, right? You can do it. Just like Colin Kaepernick. Just do it. You got to get intimate with that jolly bitch, bitch. I know you're right, but do you really have to call me bitch every time you say something? Yes, because it's empowering to call you bitch, bitch. And it just goes on and on like that until you get to this last part. Let's go over what we know. Santa and the board are all male and all white. What does that have to do with anything? Santa and the board are all male and all white. They play golf, drink, smoke cigars, say things like, don't ever marry your mistress. Just so you know, the women of the North Pole make fun of... All right, I can't even listen to it. First of all, that woman's voice sounds like nails on a chalkboard. Second of all, I don't know if Seth Rogen swallowed a mothball or something or a matzo ball, but his voice is disgusting to me too. I don't have any problem with cursing, okay? I'm not saying that in regards to radio and broadcasting, I'm saying that in general, like, I don't care about cursing. I think Seth Rogen's a fat piece of shit. I, I don't care. My problem is why it's okay for the Jewish community, and I'm not saying all Jews, just a small sect in Hollywood, to mock and make fun of, just criticize and degrade Christians and apparently white people. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't attack Santa because Santa's straight. He's, he's married to a woman. What does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with Christmas? You see what I'm saying? And it's not even intellectual. It's F this, F that, B this, S that. I mean, there were like 12 curse words. I mean, if that was played on if that was played on network television, you'd be looking at millions of dollars in fines probably from the FCC. And not to mention lawsuits for other things because people would be offended at such obscenity. Why does it have to be so obscene? Because it takes you out of reality and it puts you into a trance-like state. So you're not actually thinking. And then they drop the bomb on you. And what's the bomb? There's a couple of them. The first bomb is more people believe in Santa Claus than they do vaccines, than they do the Holocaust. Well, listen here, Sarah Silver person. 
I have a right to believe in whatever I want to believe in. And what does that even mean? You don't believe in vaccines. You don't believe in the Holocaust. What's your definition and version of that? But these are complex ideas, too much for Seth Rogen and Sarah Silverman to conceive of. Or maybe they do conceive of them. Maybe they're willful puppets. I think that's what they really are. I think Seth Rogen and Sarah Silverman are just these willful puppets of a machine that is using them to advance and expand an agenda of, of cultural hatred and deterioration. That, that, that's really what I think that it is. And then they drop the other bomb. Santa and his whole board of directors, it's all a bunch of white males. So what if it's a bunch of white males? Well, maybe the, uh, the, the, uh, the other people, uh, different colors, uh, couldn't get a job there. May I, maybe they weren't good workers. I don't know. Why do I have to be concerned with Santa's board of directors? You know what I mean? See, this is the problem. This is the issue that I have. We're taking something that is supposed to be fun and something that is supposed to be joyous, and we're turning it into a politically correct roast of a certain group of people because, for one reason or another, some people don't like that group of people. And you tell me that there isn't a war on Christmas, that there isn't a war on certain groups of people, there certainly is. And it's all part of that dialectical materialism. Perpetual conflict in order to create what... The Marxists call progress, and they've used Christmas. This is a prime example of that. We're going to go to the phone lines now. 978, that's 978. You are on The Secret Teachings. Who is this? Hey, Ryan, it's uh, Derek from Mass. Nice talker. Hey, I thought it would be you, Derek. What's going on? I'm getting a little bit of echo. It might throw me off a little bit. Um, I'm going to be quick because I'm on my last break, but I got a little chrono synchronicity for you, a little, little sad synchronicity. Okay, go for it. All right. So my, my supermarket, like I'm the nice stalker. So my supermarket here, um, uses Kronos as our like punch clock and as our like payroll and stuff. And this past week we were told to write on like a, like a timesheet because there's, um, something wrong with the system. And like, it's a real pain in the neck because people are like doing overtime because we're getting near Christmas and they're not getting their full checks. Like it's, it's a kind of a big ordeal. It's like, it's kind of uh, hurting people who don't make a lot of money closest mm-hmm. to the time where they need the money, you know? Um, and they won't really give us any explanation besides just Kronos is down. So I'm thinking to myself, what are the odds that Kronos is, um, potentially like brought back online or resurrected around Saturnalia time, you know? So then I, then I Google it and I find out that it's actually, um, a, a huge cyber attack, a ransomware attack on this like company UKG who like owns Kronos and they had to shut down Kronos, which then makes it on purpose. Somebody, directly attacked Kronos around the Saturnalia time. To resurrect. Really interesting. Yeah, and now a couple of headlines from it is um, from uh, cyber attack on payroll provider sets off scramble ahead of the holidays. Ransomware caused UKG to shut down um, some of its Kronos services. And for us, like around, I think it's nationwide, but at least for here, they're absolutely massive. And they do like hospitals, churches, supermarkets. It's a, it's a big deal if, if, if they go down. And like CNN says... Um, this ransomware attack might have stolen Christmas in cities, states, and companies across the U.S. I see um, that. Kronos ransomware attack could impact employee paychecks and timesheets for weeks. So, so again, this theme of, uh, like, Christmas is canceled, that whole, that whole thing, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, what do you think it is in the, in the moment that you have left before you have to go? What do you think this is? Is this a war on Christmas, or is this a war on Christmas? I think there's a difference, depending on how you phrase it. 
Exactly. I mean, you're right. You're right. For sure. I think it's a war on, yeah, you're right. Around the Christmas season, around the time where people are most stressed anyways, they're trying to just really lay it on heavy from every angle, you know, from the, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I got to go, but that trailer you just played was ridiculous. Honestly, ridiculous. It, it's um, absolutely I hope disgusting. I somebody calls in comments on that because that was, just, <laughs> that was wild, honestly. Well, thanks, what, Derek. What, what's that for? HBO Max? Is, is, is it a kid's show or like, who is that even for? You I can't, know, like, I can't tell anymore. I really don't know, but it, it failed uh, tremendously crazy. and went down in flames. Crazy. Right, I gotta go there, Ryan, but a really, really awesome show tonight. All right. Thanks, Derek. You have a good night. Later, bro. All right. Bye-bye. All right. There's Derek. Thank you so much for calling in, buddy. 520-367-2064. Please call in. Let me know what you think of that disgusting trailer that we just played uh, and what you think about the so-called war on Christmas. It is December 22nd. I guess the 21st, 22nd. We started on the 21st, 22nd. The winter solstice. 520-367-2064. That's 520-367-2064. Also, a listener named Scott, Scott Jones, messaged me, and I haven't gotten a chance to do research on this yet because I wanted to prepare a show specifically about the music industry, and nothing really came together for this, this week for Christmas. But... Uh, the singer Adele did a live performance around Thanksgiving uh, at a planetarium in Hollywood, and she had uh, all this Saturn uh, regalia on, Saturn tattoos, Saturn earrings, etc. And I, I find that interesting, uh, one, just synchronistically and circumstantially in my own life, uh, going out to get a few things that I've needed around the, the, the house here, since I've moved, I've gone to a number of stores and I've walked in and I've seen that Adele is being heavily promoted, uh, the new album that uh, they have out. And I, I even said to, um, to Hope, I said, uh, what is this, what is this like thing with Adele now? Why is, why is she everywhere? And I, well, I guess she does the Saturn concert and then her CD goes to the front line of the, of the store. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't research that yet, but I just know that, um, I mean, Adele is part of the music industry and probably do a show on that at, at some point in the, in the very near future. And I do see that now. I pulled up a couple of articles about uh, the Kronos ransomware attack. And Derek's very, very, uh, very correct about that. There, this is just, you see, it is, it's like ritualistic, whether it's a small thing or it's a big thing. It's literally, the, the, I would call it the dark killing of the king. You're killing Kronos and then resurrecting Kronos. It's just, it's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. And this is all part of the dialectical materialism. It's, it's creating conflict where conflict doesn't exist in order to perpetuate some progress that is artificial. And, and, and I want to make clear, I don't mean progressives and politics here. This is more of a spiritual social and cultural thing. I don't believe that there's a war on Christmas. I believe there's a war on culture. I, I don't believe that there's a war on Santa Claus and Christmas trees and the nativity. If there is an assault on those things, it's only to get at the root core of what those things are an extension and expansion of. They are an extension and an expansion of the soul and the spirit of creation, of evolution, of nature, of the elements, etc. All those things that make us human, all those things that we we express through symbols and, and ritual. That's what's under assault. That's what's being attacked. 
and 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 the idea that Krumpus is a, is a is an evil thing that we shouldn't you know have anything to do with. Krumpus is a symbol to remind us that we should strive to be better people, and we don't want to be you know grotesque like Krumpus. We don't want to look uh, hideous. It, it's not um, it's not becoming. It's the same thing with you know Halloween. Some people dress up for you know for fun. A lot of people dress up for fun. Some people dress up to really scare other people. And you don't really think that about Christmas. But you know, I mean, there are traditions in Christmas and 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 a lot of Christmas traditions that are so called pagan traditions. They go back to uh, to uh, uh, German countries. Um, I mean, Krampus is basically from the uh, from uh, Austria, uh, but there's a lot of European countries that have uh, versions of Krampus. Uh, Ruprecht is another one. Uh, the Perkton Walk is a nighttime procession of people dressed to represent the devil in archaic wooden goat masks and fur coats, and that is something that we've seen up in uh, Seattle. A friend of mine sent this to me in Leavenworth. Christmas skirmish breaks out over rebranding as Krampus Drink Crawl. And, and I just don't understand why a, 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 a local government, uh, a city hall, or a, in this, in this case, uh, looks like a little town hall, got involved in, in turning the Christmas, official Christmas tradition into something completely new. And why they jump from a Christian version to whatever Krampus represents, and and, and they welcome the, the Krampus walkers in. Uh, but but the, the, that whole idea—I mean, it's like the Day of the Dead, right? It's like a procession of the dead. It's, it represents the souls. It represents the spirits. It's not evil. It's not demonic, like the Masonic skull and crossbones. That's not demonic. That's not evil by any means. Although there is one thing I've seen that that looks, in my opinion, it's a lot eviler. A lot more evil than Krampus. And that is the new United Nations statue. The new United Nations statue that kind of mimics the beast from the Bible. I'll tell you a little bit about that when we come back from break. Please call in tonight, 520-367-2064, and let me know what you think. That's 520-367-2064. We are live on the fringe, 520-367-2064. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, bringing you health, history, symbolism, and of course, black goo, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Release the curtain! Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books. Available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. 
all three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. The truth is out there, and so are we. KTLK, digital broadcasting, The Fringe FM. People ask me every day what they can do to take control of their life in the face of an onslaught of misleading information and outright lies. I always tell them to take control of what they put in their body, including clean water. I personally used a Pro One water filter long before the company became Pro One. And after a few years, I decided to get an affiliate program set up for the show. Here's how it works. Visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the Pro One water filter link on the slider bar at the top of the page. Whatever you purchase on their website, we get a small percentage. It's an honest and beneficial way to support the secret teachings and yourself. They've got water filters for the kitchen, dorm room, and even shower heads so things like chlorine don't become vaporized in the hot shower and inhaled. They make a great gift for yourself, your family, or your friends, and especially a great gift around the holy days. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info, click on the banner, support Pro One, and support the secret teachings five nights a week on The Fringe FM. Listen to The Rogue Report every Wednesday live at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern here on The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. For a lot longer than most podcasts have been around, The Secret Teachings has been at the forefront of unique investigation into both the mundane and the extraordinary. Critical thought and controlled speculation allowed us to determine that the much-anticipated UAP report would be vague, unexplained, and would simply imply the need for defense against national security threats. We determined that sonic weapons were the cause of Havana Syndrome a full year before CNN acknowledged the same. We told you about the mind-controlled magic, sex slavery, and intellectual theft in the music industry long before Britney Spears spoke out about her conservatorship, and we've been removed from radio for refusing to censor our show over international child trafficking networks and sex cults long before Epstein didn't kill himself. This has been done with no budget, only your support, and a will to learn and succeed. And you can continue to be a part of the Secret Teachings journey as we broadcast Monday through Friday after lighting the void with Joe Roop, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. TLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM, brings you exclusively The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. What's up, y'all? It's your boy Topher. You can find my music at tophertown.com. And right now you're listening to The Secret Teachings by Ryan Gable. Hope everybody knows that we're live tonight, Tuesday the 21st into Wednesday the 22nd of December. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and this is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM, Talk Stream Live, the Paranormal Radio app, and thesecretteachings.info. I have a huge book called Occult Arcana. It took me a long time to write it. Pretty much a life's work of research compiled into one text. 
chapter in that book on the holidays and the origins of the traditions and the celebrations of the things that we do. It's a very small part of the book, but it is probably one of the most interesting parts of the book. You can get that book on the website, a digital copy or a physical copy of the book. And tonight, if you call in at 520-367-2064, I might just be able to hook you up with a digital copy of the book for free. That is Occult Arcana. Occult Arcana, www.thesecretteachings.info. Call in 520-367-2064. Let me know what you thought about that Seth Rogen Santa Inc. audio that I played. Or let me know what you think about the overall theme of tonight's broadcast. According to a Pew Research Center report, self-identified Christians have declined by 12 percentage points since 2012. Now that's a, a vague number, ultimately, really. It's not really, that doesn't really have much significance, but it kind of implies that people are less Christian and people that are not really religious at all, that's grown by about 10%. Uh, they're kind of implying with the data that more people that were Christian became believers in nothing. I don't really think that's, that's how it works. The non-believers in nothing, people that are atheists, anarchists, they just kind of are probably a younger generation. And then people maybe have found more spirituality. They're not Christians by definition. But the idea is to to imply to the people that read that data that human beings and people that are religious and spiritual, they feel less so more and more. And they go on to say in this article that I'm reading from The Week that part of this is about culture. And they take us to politics for some reason and say that it really has to do with, uh, I'm not joking you, it literally says there are less Christians because of Donald Trump. I don't know what that means, but that's what the article says. My interest is, is, is really in the decline of Christianity in America, as the article implies that there is. And then I read an article from Salon, which is just a garbage website, but I had to pull it because of how important and how relevant it was to tonight's show. It says, "'Tis the season, once again, evangelicals must save Christmas from an imaginary enemy." And they go through the typical explanation that all the all the claims that there are attacks on uh, you know Christmas traditions, it's all just fake and made up. Even though I just played you that disgusting Sarah Silver person and Seth uh, Rogaine audio from the HBO Max show, and it was just obscenity, obscenity, obscenity. People believe in Santa, not vaccines. Obscenity, obscenity, obscenity. Porn, obscenity, 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 obscenity. Another obscenity. Then I got to listen to her voice again. Then obscenity. And then it pretty much ends with Santa's white, so he should be replaced by a short Jew elf, I guess. I, I, that's what it says in the, in the clip. I played it. I don't know what it means. Uh, but it doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, what makes sense to me is that it's okay to make fun of Christians for some reason. It's okay to make fun of white people. It's okay to make fun of uh, gay people. But... I don't really care. I guess maybe this is where I get people. I mean, I guess I consider myself straight. I guess I'm white. It doesn't really, I don't identify with those things because I'm a human being. 
and I don't buy into the dialectical materialism of cultural Marxism of, 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 of Marx and Engels, but I'm not a Christian for sure. And I still have a problem with people that want to hate on Christians just because, well, they're insecure, they're immature, they misunderstand, or whatever the reason is. I, just have, I have personally an issue with that. And I think that just because someone doesn't like Christmas doesn't mean they're an atheist, doesn't mean they hate Christians, but just because a Christian identifies as a Christian doesn't mean that they hate pagans and doesn't mean that what they celebrate is totally ignorant, you know? I, I think that we should be investigating every little detail rather than making, you know, generalized statements to facilitate the perpetual conflict of dialectical materialism. That's just my opinion. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm stupid. Maybe I'm silly. I don't know. Five two zero three six seven twenty sixty four. We got another call on the line. Eight one two. That's eight one two. You are on the secret teachings live. Who is this? Hey, Ryan, it's Penelope from the chat. Howdy, Penelope. From Indiana. From Indiana. All right, Indiana. Yeah, I got a little echo too. Um, yeah, so I had a little thought about um, the Adele that you were talking about. Um, yeah, go for it. I feel like Mariah Carey's kind of been made a joke, right? Like we saw her out every winter. What if they're kind of replacing her with Adele at this point? Kind of like, um, kind of like some people say that. that kind of just hit me. Like some people say Lady Gaga's replaced Madonna, kind of like that. Right, right, exactly, exactly. And um, I knew before you kind of you played the uh, HBO clip. As soon as you explained who it was going to be, I'm like, this is going to be super cringy. And it, it exactly was. Uh, it was everything I'd hoped for and cringe and more. So um, thanks for that. Yeah, but I yeah, think that was probably the. Tonight. Well, I I really appreciate that calling in tonight and uh, cringy. Yeah, I think that's. That's one word. I could think of a lot of obscene words to call it. I, wh- what does that What does that tell you? What does that mean to you? I mean, do you what do you think about the so called war on Christmas? I think it's I think it's real, but I think they've made it. They've they've pushed out this idea. I don't think we did it. Um, and I think we're part of it. I think we're we're doing it. But I I think this was something that they they wanted us to do. So it's something that's been, uh, uh, inorganically perpetuated essentially. Right. That's kind of what I'm thinking. That's kind of what I've been saying tonight, or at least I've been, I've been trying to express that. I mean, I, I don't think that people that dress up like Krumpus are evil, but certainly there are people that do that because they want to attack Christians. And even though I'm not a Christian Penelope, I feel like there certainly is a, a, an open season on Christians and an open season on you know, traditional Christmas values, which I think is the real core of it. I think it's just the idea of family and the idea of community and the idea of culture that really offends some people. Well, even back to the Thanksgiving show that you had um, about just stopping, you know, Thanksgiving's not necessarily about uh, pilgrims and Indians, right? It's everywhere all over the world right. about just yes. being thankful for what you have and the bounty that's come from the harvest. Um, so why shut it down? That makes absolutely no sense, right? Unless it's part of this mind game they're playing with us. Well, maybe we should just get a head start on that. We should say that there's a war on Thanksgiving and then we can, you know, get t-shirts and just get ahead of the game, make some money on it. There's a war on everything. That'll be the new hashtag, a war on everything. But war on everything. In all serious yeah. in all seriousness though, there's a war on culture. There absolutely is. And you don't have to be a Christian or 
whatever. I mean, it, it, it affects everybody because, again, it's, it's the cultural root that holds everything together, whether you're Muslim or you're an atheist. It holds the whole thing together, I think. I don't disagree. And just because it's pointed right now at Christianity, it doesn't mean that it won't be pointed somewhere else later. Precisely. And that is exactly the thing that concerns me because today uh, one group of people might be upset uh, because they're being attacked and they might defend themselves and others don't care because they're not being attacked. But yes, ultimately, that's exactly right. I think that too. What's going to happen is the next group of people gets targeted and there's nobody to defend them and the next group. And that's, that's why it is a war. It's a war of, of psychology and it's a war on culture. And I think that you're a hundred percent correct. Well, thanks. I think you're a hundred percent correct on many things, Ryan. Many things. Good. You didn't say everything. Cause I know I'm wrong on some things. <laughs> that's okay. We all are. We need to be to make progress to grow. Otherwise we just remain stagnant. What a boring world if we were all right all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have any other thoughts, Penelope? And would you like a copy uh, no. of the occult book? Absolutely. All right. Well, you send me a private message and I will send you a digital copy of the occult arcana. Fabulous. Thank you so okay. much, Ryan. Thank you for calling. And I appreciate it. I know you had a little bit of nerves, but you did great. Yeah, Thank you. a little bit. Thanks. Yep. Have a good night. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. All right, 520-367-2064. Penelope from Indiana. We had Derek Cullen earlier as well. 520-367-2064. Cringy. Yeah, cringy. I, I don't even want this file on my computer. I got to like, I, I got I to gotta delete this thing. Like, honestly, I'm going to do this so you can hear me delete it. There you go. Did you hear the trash can? I deleted the file. I can't have Seth Rogen and Sarah Silverman on my computer. I might physically vomit all over this this board here. It's just disgusting people. But uh, this is the season for people to, uh, to bash the idea that there is a war on Christmas. For there not being a war on Christmas, there are certainly a lot of news articles and news stories and radio shows and people that talk about how there isn't a war on Christmas. You know, if there really isn't a war on Christmas, the idea that there isn't a war on Christmas has turned into a, a very hot, topic, a very popular selling point. I find that interesting in and of itself. I also find the statue at the UN, the sculpture, to be really interesting. Have you seen this giant new sculpture at the United Nations headquarters? A lot of people are saying that it looks like the beast from Revelations. Well, the UN says it's not the beast. They said it's a guardian or international peace. That's exactly what they want you to think, right? Revelation 13.2, The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. I would suggest that the dragon is Prince Charles and the beast is William. That's what I would suggest. We've done... Quite a handful of shows focusing on that in great detail. They're all in the archive at thesecretteachings.info, and we've done them relatively recently on the subject of Prince William and the archetype of the Antichrist. Daniel 7, 2 through 4 also refers to that beast. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea, four great beasts, each different from the others, 
came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground, so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. This is the sculpture outside of the United Nations. It's the fusion of a jaguar and an eagle, partly donated by the government of Oaxaca. I really don't think I'm pronouncing that right, of Mexico. It's created by a couple of artists. They always have to give credit to those, those like obscure artists who probably didn't make it, but the UN has to make it look like it's, you know, unique individual art. But they call it a guardian of international peace. I don't really see how the United Nations is a guardian of international peace when their official website for their sustainability agenda is everything we've been discussing tonight. It is dialectical materialism. The things that they want to create, the world that they want to create, they can say those words as many times as they want. They can use them to conjure up these wonderful ideas of utopia, but it breeds perpetual conflict. There will always be perpetual conflict when you have a, a system that wants to unite all people under one authoritarian central structure because there won't be a court to save you. There, there won't be a governor to save you. There won't be an imaginary line in the sand. Uh, I, I think the idea of uniting the whole world and holding hands with everybody is, is extremely offensive to, to culture. It is extremely offensive to race. It is extremely offensive to sexuality and gender. It is extremely offensive to, to the spirit and soul. Humans are diverse. Humans have a diversity of culture and ideas and beliefs and traditions. Christmas is a wonderful example of how all of that, from the most accepting and joyous to the most rejecting and repulsive, Christmas has all of it. Whether you're a pagan, whether you're a witch, whether you're a Wiccan, whether you're from Sedona, whether you, which I think is a whole new category, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Baptist, Catholic, whatever you are, Christmas has all of that. And I believe that a United Nations as a concept really is just obscene to all of those decent things in human society. When people tell you they want to create a world, everybody's equal. Well, I'm no Christian, but God did create that world already. Everybody is equal. Well, there's poverty, and people don't have a lot of money, and some people have a lot more money. And some people need to pay more tax. It's like, I, I think we're almost always missing the point because someone tells us what point to focus on. We're always missing the bigger point. I mean, the reality is that there has been so much social, economical, uh, hygienic, medical, technological advancement in the last 50 years, let alone the last 100 years, that poverty has essentially disappeared in comparison with what it once was. I mean, we, we now have more, more people in the world who are obese than people that are starving to death and, and, and what people might perceive as the opposite of obesity, you know, skin and bones. More people are obese statistically than, so there's an abundance of food, you know. There's an abundance of resources in all of these things. It's just there are some people that try to control them and some people that don't want there to be 
a separation of powers because they want all of the power. And whether it's Shiva at CERN or it's the gargoyles at the Denver airport or it's the new United Nations sculpture that I don't know if it exactly resembles the beast, but the jaguar, the eagle, the beast, the lion, the dragon that gives the beast the power and is thrown with great authority. I mean, Christians have been saying that forever, right? The, the world government is essentially the United Nations, and you know that's a Christian right-wing conservative view. They don't want to have a big government. They want limited government. And in a lot of ways, yeah, sure, that's a Christian conservative viewpoint. Sure, whatever. But that's not really the point, is it? Because you can tell somebody, I'm not choking you while you're choking them. You're still choking them, but you can tell them, I'm not choking you. You can tell somebody, I'm not harassing you while you're harassing them. I mean, if you do that long enough, people start to believe it even subconsciously. Well, I guess I'm not being choked until you pass out. I guess I'm not being harassed until maybe you end up dead. And it's like all of, all of the things that we hear, there isn't a war on Christmas, isn't a war on Christmas. I mean, so how much money and time and energy and effort is put into convincing you there isn't a war on Christmas should convince you that there certainly is a war on something, I mean, there wouldn't be this much attention and mockery given every year to the idea. But like Penelope said in the call, going back to Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is a tradition that every people, every culture has Thanksgiving. You are giving thanks to the earth, giving thanks for bounty, giving thanks for the cornucopia, giving thanks for the abundance of, of what nature has provided you. That's part of the wheat and the killing of the king and Osiris and the tradition that you find in, in, in at least every agricultural community throughout history. And you certainly find some version of Thanksgiving. And I would say, I'm not an anthropologist but I would, or a sociologist, but I would, I would say that every culture has it, going back hundreds and thousands of years, has it to some degree. There's some element of, of giving thanks, even if that means just praying over your food. That, that, that is Thanksgiving. It doesn't have to be the turkey and the football. That's just a, a modern contemporary interpretation of it. In the same way that Christmas traditions certainly are more botanical, more earth-based, but for a lot of people it's Jesus' birthday, right? And uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Government officials have accomplished what a lot of these religious-minded people have been saying. They've essentially canceled Christmas, but how many people really adhere to that canceling of Christmas because of new mandates and lockdowns and things like that, right? Christians get upset about the Krampus walks. I get it. But no matter the pagan origins of Christmas, the Christianized version, uh, the commercial version, uh, no matter what our beliefs are, most of us, if we celebrate the holiday, we decorate, we feast, we enjoy the lights, we're participating in a tradition and in a ritual. And no matter what the reasoning is behind it, if we do those kinds of things, then we are creating new traditions every time we do something new. And, I mean, what does that mean? That What does that mean? Like in 50 years, someone's going to look back and they're like, you know that 
giving gifts isn't the, the the true meaning of Christmas. And you're like, yeah, I know it's about family and it's about it's about you know maybe Christmas trees or whatever. And they're like, no, it's not about any of that. It's about that. It's about that that obscure thing, that new thing we do in 2050. That's what it's really about. It's not about giving gifts. That's that's so 2020. It's, I mean, this is just the way that things develop culturally and socially. And any assault, any attack, any demeaning, any degrading, any Sarah Silverman, Seth Rogen, uh, any of that eight crazy nights, any of that weird, and it is Jewish for some reason, that weird anti-Christian Jewish uh, ideology, whatever that is, I'm, I don't know what it is, but whatever that is, is an assault on culture, bottom line. So call it, a, call it a, a, you know, a, an attack on Christmas. It's an attack on culture. And, and you know, the thing is, that the whole idea of Krampus, the whole idea of this demonic-looking character, it, it shows us that, I mean, really the people that attack those things, they are that ugliness. They, they do not like the soul and the spirit. They are disconnected from it in source. They are afraid. And, and, and they, are, they are void of, of light. And in order to understand uh, the, the void, you have to light the void, right? And in order to understand uh, the light, you have to understand the secret teachings. Just kind of playfully looping our shows together here on the, on the fringe. But the idea is that Krampus is ugliness, something that we want to avoid, something we don't want to become. So we find motivation in that symbol to be kinder, to be more respectful, to be more responsible, to hold some type of social moral value. Uh, the, the idea of Santa Claus, yeah, it's been oversimplified. Santa does, you know, he's doing two jobs now. Uh, I mean, I guess if Santa wants to drink and Santa wants to smoke a cigar and Santa wants to be with his mistress and not marry her, like Seth Rogen you know, said Santa was a big fat white guy who runs a, an evil corporation at the North Pole. I mean, they've been helping kids for a long time, but I guess they're still evil because they're white. I mean, if Santa... He's working two jobs. I think he deserves to have a mistress, right? I mean, he's doing, he's doing the naughty and the nice list, right? It's a lot of work. But, you know, Santa checks off that list, and uh, he's taken a lot of business away from Krumpus. Krumpus is supposed to, you know, deliver those, those packages of coal. Or the, uh, the, 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 the witch, Bafana, is another character, or Rupric is another character like Krumpus who delivers the coal. Uh, Bafana actually delivers garlic or ash to kids that don't really behave. But, but, but you know, regardless of, 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 of what you want to call that energy, that force, that opposition, when people tell me that there's no war on Christmas, I don't agree with that. But when people tell me that there is a war on Christmas, I don't necessarily agree with that either. I think it, like everything else, is much more complex than that. And I think when you have the intention to create perpetual conflict through dialectical materialism of cultural Marxism, and I think when you have people that are actively engaged in specifically choosing certain dates to make people afraid, to make people not want to get together with their family, to effectively cancel Christmas in the name of health and safety, when you have people that are doing things like that, not only are they the expression of Krampus, not only are they the expression of, of the darkest elements, not only is it, is it both political and spiritual, it is the very reason why, whether you're a Christian or a pagan or an atheist, 
we celebrate Christmas because we are hoping that the sun returns. We are hoping that the warmth can conquer the cold, the light can conquer the dark, and the spirit can conquer the material. The sun dies for us and is reborn, regenerated. Those seasons of fall to winter to spring to summer, those are the four horses of the apocalypse. Black, fall, pale, winter, white, spring, red, summer. You know who rides the white horse? Odin rides the white horse. Odin gives us the ruins that are cast in blood. Odin hangs on the world tree. Odin is pierced by a spear. Odin wants wisdom and knowledge. Odin, or Wotan, is one of your original Santa Clauses living at the North Pole. His horse and his sleigh. Long white beard of Kronos or Saturn or Odin. I mean, yeah, Odin is not a, a black deity, so Odin is a white character. Santa's going to be white. Um, if if Santa Claus was is, was exclusively derived from you know Egyptian mythos, then Santa might be black. I, why does it have to become political? Is my question. And if if it does have to become political, why why does it have to be an attack on one group of people or another? I mean, it's just an attack on culture. That's the bottom line. There's no other way around it. I mean, this is essentially our our Christmas version of our Thanksgiving show that Penelope mentioned. And uh, this is an attack on uh, on culture. I think that's really just ultimately the bottom line, and it's using dialectical materialism to create perpetual conflict, so that people are confused and people are uh, are in a state of transition, and they are easily molded and easily malleable to a new idea, a new doctrine. That's what conquering militaries do, and that is also what we heard in that Santa Inc. audio. It was just obscenity, 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 obscenity. Santa has more popularity than vaccines. Obscenity, 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 porn. Obscenity, 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 obscenity. Sarah Silverman's voice. And then obscenity, obscenity, obscenity. Santa's white, Santa's evil. It's perpetual conflict, which breeds nothing but spiritual and material decay. It doesn't even build up materialism. It, it, it's, it decays everything. It erodes everything. And it's not something that... Uh, I can sit by and watch happen when I see the world just a teeny tiny bit differently. And I hope that when I present my interpretation of current events and whatnot, you see that it's a slightly different interpretation. It's based on secret teachings, uh, understanding uh, the secret teachings and the occult and using that to analyze history and contemporary events. That's what we do here on the broadcast. I want to thank you guys for listening you gals for listening whenever and wherever you are around the world. Thank you for tuning into The Secret Teachings live tonight. We'll be live the rest of the week as well. It is the winter solstice. And you can learn about all those traditions, all those things we talked about. It's like six pages in my book, but we did a whole show about it tonight. And there's literally hundreds of things that I didn't bring up on the show tonight that are in the book about this subject. Occult Arcana. That's a cult arcana for the origins and the traditions or the technological elixir 
for technology, UFOs, and the culture war. You can get both books on the website at thesecretteachings.info. Get a free copy of one of those books when you subscribe to the archive for one year. Just go to the website, click on the donate subscribe button. You can subscribe annually or you can subscribe monthly or weekly if you want a little sample. Or you can just simply do a one-time donation through PayPal. Email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. Check us out on Patreon. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Time's up. Time may be up for tonight's broadcast of The Secret Teachings, but don't worry, you can still catch us Monday through Friday right here exclusively on The Fringe FM. You can also subscribe to the show and montage archive while grabbing my books at thesecretteachings.info. To get in contact with us, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.